Just in case our name Clit Talk wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. In this episode of Clit Talk, we discuss gender bending, who's responsible for your happiness, and the magic criteria for the relationship of your dreams. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clitor, 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 talking about a clitor, clitor, clitor. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex ed you wish you got, and then some. This first season of Clit Talk is inspired by Regina Thomas Shower, creatrix of the School of Womanly Arts, leader of the Pleasure Revolution, and author of her New York Times bestselling book, Pussy, A Reclamation. Today we have an incredible guest... Hailing from the great Montreal, she's an incredibly talented actress who's best known for Twilight and Under the Dome, and you can currently see her on Mary Kills People. She's the villain, and I just found out that her pilot got picked up, which is super exciting. It's called Proven Innocent. It's going to be on Fox this fall, and the most generous person I know, Rochelle Lefebvre. Thank you for being here. Oh, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I can't believe we're going to record the conversations we usually have over dinner. I know. I was just thinking, I was like, so we were at dinner like about a month ago and we showed up to this dinner and it was amazing because it was a Thursday at night and we also, we get to the table, they're already there and Rochelle goes, so none of us want to be here. Even though you just knew, you just knew that even though we loved each other, nobody wanted to go. Nobody had the courage to cancel, but nobody wanted to be there. Exactly, and we just like all showed up, and we like we knew if we came, we'd have the best time. But let's just preface this with the fact that we're all exhausted, and getting here was a chore. It it actually ended up being amazing because I think the way we cured it was we went around the table and did a thing where everyone talked for five minutes about why they didn't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, well, I didn't want to be here because this is what's going on in my life right now. Or I didn't want to be here because tomorrow I have blah, blah, blah or whatever. And and that got us talking so much about our lives and sharing so much that by the end of it, nobody wanted to leave. Exactly. Yeah. We ended up being there for like three and a half hours. That really goes along with the topic that we're talking about today, Radiant Relationships. So we have some... uh, fascinating statistics from Regina's book on relationships that I found really staggering. 47% of adults are unmarried today. Of this group, 40% have been married before and 60% have never been married. And the chance of a woman being a single mom is 50%. 50% of singles have not had a date in two years. Whoa. Is that true? Isn't that crazy? Oh, that is sucks. There's some battery sales happening. Does that mean like no sex too? <laughs> For all the vibrators? Yeah, right. Okay. Groupon's got a deal, man. Groupon. I know the rabbit must be doing really well. I feel like I'm the only one here that I was like, oh, then that means at least you don't have to have sex all the time. What a relief. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> so this is, this is perfect, Sugar. Can you read your statistic? Yeah. 20% of couples who stay married have sex 10 times per year or less. 10 times per year. It's so dark. We're really far from the 1950s, right? Like how traditional families originally were. 
and um, where families and relationships, they stay together. And in our current culture, in the U.S. at least, we can literally choose whatever we want for the most part. And as a society, all kinds of relationships are being valued and so much more accepted. And here at Clit Talk, we, we embrace it all. So ladies, do you find you tend to lean more towards traditional or nonconformity? Uh, I feel like my husband and I are very traditional. I'm a cis female. He's a cis male. We're in a monogamous heterosexual relationship and we have a child and we were married in, you know, in a government ceremony where there was paperwork. Right. Exactly. Uncle Sam knows we're married. Um, <laughs> and I have a two car garage. I feel like you sort of can't get more traditional than that. Exactly. Um, I also, uh, I also find our relationship, um, traditional in other ways I did not expect. Um, and here I feel like I'm, I'm going to get eaten alive right off the bat. Um, but I will, I will only speak to the kind of relationship that I'm in and not suggesting that it's better than any kind of other relationship. But I do find that within the confines of my classic traditional relationship, there are certain sort of male, female, or rather feminine, masculine societal roles that help my relationship. Like my husband is a happier husband when I let him carry the groceries, even though I was doing it on my own for 30 some odd years before we met and I can carry the groceries. It's like there's something about it that just makes him feel like he has purpose and he's happier and he like he really likes the walk to the car where he's loaded up with the bags Mm -hmm. and I'm either holding our child or I'm empty handed. That's better for my marriage than in the beginning where it used to be an argument. He'd be like, can I carry the groceries? And I was like, I can do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it all. I, I don't can do it all. You. I don't need you. I'm exceedingly yeah. capable. Like that. Um, yeah. And so I feel like that the, the, the groceries has become like a metaphor <laughs> right. for those Damn things groceries. helping my marriage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Me and Matt actually have like a name for those. We call we call them pink jobs, blue jobs, and yellow jobs. Yellow oh, I jobs. love that. <laughs> Boy, girl, gender neutral. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so, like, when you know the dog shit needs to get picked up in the front yard, I'm like, blue job. <laughs> really? Because I pick up the dog shit in our yard. Oh, yeah. I actually, <laughs> I just basically blue job anything I don't want to do. <laughs> wow. But they say that's you know they they say that for the polarity in a relationship like. You you should be aware of like wh- when it's going too masculine and too feminine yeah, for yeah, each yeah. partner. Although I don't I don't know if I know much about that because I don't have like a, a consistent relationship that I've had uh, in a while. Um, that being said, I do prefer the alpha male. And yeah, you mm, know, yeah, I wanna, I wanna yeah. No, you're onto something. Yeah, and I think the polarity is a really good word for it because um, I don't think that we have to talk about uh, gender at all when you're talking about masculine, feminine. We're just talking about energies, right? right? We're just talking about yin and yang, um, and every relationship naturally balances out to both. And I remember my therapist, I had such a great moment with my therapist where I was complaining about, you know, I had a, I was in a relationship with someone and I was like, I really need him to just step up and be a man. And my therapist says, that's great. But, you know, masculine, feminine polarize each other. And if you want him to step up and be a man, you have to stop occupying the space. Yeah. Yeah. It's like ten thousand dollars worth of therapy in that one sentence, right? Wow. <laughs> Gold. Yeah. 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 For free here at Clip Talk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, so uh, something that I think of when I think of traditional relationships is, you know, like in that, you know, the woman does the cooking and um, and the cleaning, and. Uh, 
my husband is not a professional chef. So I'm curious, what is that? How does that show up in your relationship? Oh, I got so lucky. He loves to cook and he likes to clean because he wants it to be done and he wants it to be done the way he wants it to be done. So he doesn't enjoy washing dishes, but he would rather wash the dishes than worry about when I'm going to get to it or whether or not I've washed them to his satisfaction or, and he's like, he's not compulsive or anything. He just, he's efficient. Like you have dinner, you put the dishes in the sink and then you promptly wash them. He doesn't even like it if I load the dishwasher because that's just oh. dirty dishes sitting there. And he lets me do it and it's fine. He'll like, if it's, if I offer to clean up, great. But yeah, he's so happy to just like get it done. Which is the other thing too, I feel like is so valuable in a relationship, which is you have to know who you're in a relationship with and pick your, not just pick your battles, but like pick the things that you want to work on because you don't get to work on everything. Right. So like, I feel like his thing is he's just, he just, he subconsciously just decided I'm not going to pick on her loading the dishwasher. I'm not going to make my wife wash the dishes by hand because that's what I like to do. Like, where's the value in that in a relationship, right? Does it get done the way you want it to? Sure. Does it add anything? No. Does it cause anxiety? Yes. Let it go. You know? So you were in your thirties when you got married. Yes. So I'm thinking about it and I was 19 in the 80s, when mid, mid to late 80s, when I met my husband-to-be as a virgin. And uh, we got married, and we were together seven years, and then we had a child. And when I think about it, um, I didn't have the opportunity, I think, to figure out, like some a woman in her 30s, what you do like and what you want your role to be and not be. Right. But w- what's interesting when I think about it is that both myself and my ex-husband came from a traditional family. My mother stayed home. My father went to work. His family was similar, you know, where the breadwinner was and what the chores were. And I followed my mom. If she was cooking, I was her sous chef and the cleanup crew, too. My brother was doing the traditional things. And I think if I was raised differently, maybe, you know, I would have a different idea of what my role is in a actual uh, relationship, live-in or married relationship. So I think that's kind of interesting that, that, you know... It must be a little bit more difficult when you're already in your late 20s or 30s if you've lived alone and done some of the stuff that you've done. But the best thing for me is that my husband, the whole time, I never put gas in my car. Mm. Isn't that amazing? He would just go, oh, I'm going to go fill up your car. I'm like, okay, thanks. Those small things are a big thing, right? My husband never borrows my car. I have a larger trunk, an SUV, and he never borrows my car without returning it with a full tank of gas. And sometimes he even washes it. Like, and it's just, it's just like, just that wonderful, those small old fashioned things that I actually like appreciate. Yeah. It really is the little, like, like the seeing where your partner's needs are and just anticipating it and like really just like, you know, without them having to ask for it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The dating apps make it so much easier now to go on dates, right? The thing that, that that makes me think about is like when you go through those dating apps, I feel like dating now is about looking for what can you offer me? What do you have that I want? And if we make dating about what do you have that I want, nobody's ever going to be in a radiant relationship ever again because being in a positive relationship is about what can I offer? What can I do for you? So I don't – I feel really, really terrible for people who are single in 2018 because how are you supposed to meet someone and transition from what do you have for me 
to then, oh, yeah, the only way to be happy together is what can I offer you? And both people need to make that transition. So don't you have to start dating from that place? Don't you have to start dating from going, what's my offering? What do I bring to the table? What value can I add to a relationship? And there's not many people who are going to come at it who are going to like meet you there. So I feel like we need to elevate. Can someone design an app where we sort of like instead of instead of selling yourself one way, you sort of sell like here's what I could do for you in a like really beautiful – I don't know. Do you, just, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, Am I, I just being too hippy-dippy? I'm like, yeah, no. I think, I think we should create that at Clip no. Talk. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I think older that, men on apps definitely try to in their profile express what they have to offer Really? Versus young guys who are sort of like just looking for a hot chick? Yeah. Hey, what's up is a profile of a young guy. But an older guy will say, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I enjoy this. You know, I would like to take someone to go travel. I would like to do this. You know, they do have something to offer. Yeah. And and going back to your your question, Katie, of like, do who of us are in like a more traditional, non-traditional relationship? So I have I have kind of an interesting relationship because in some ways we're totally traditional, right? You know, cis, man, woman and all that. And there's kids involved. They're not mine. But so I'm a bonus mom. But what's really um, speaking of like tradition, right? I grew up always wanting to get married with the paperwork and everything. Um. And my boyfriend is divorced. He was he got married very young. He was, I think, 20, maybe 21 when he got married. They were married for 10 years, three kids, had a whole life. Um, and, you know, things went down in the divorce that he's, he's, at this moment in time, not open to, like, a legal marriage, you know. Um, and I met him, and he's, like, totally the man of my dreams. And I've never – I did not think I was going to share this. Um it was really like it was like the death of like a a, a dream for me, um, and I had to really work through it to like really either choose powerfully to be with this man that, in many traditional senses, fills a lot of the things I want, and kind of like let go of this thing that I was you know all the Disney movies and growing up like you know I was gonna have this dream wedding, you know, and he's open to having a ceremony and like, you know having more children with me and, and all of that. And like, you know, I'm like really listening for that to like transform. I think he's, I personally think there's just a lot of fear there and some, you know, uh, trust in women in general that needs to be built up for him in particular, you know, maybe down the road, but it was, it was really interesting. Like, and it's really hard for my family too. My parents are married. Both of my sisters are married. My parents have been married for over 35 years. So it's a real um, upset for them because for them, it's like he's not taking care of me. And it's just something that I had to like look at why I was so personally attached. And I noticed with a lot of divorced people, they, I've, because I've been gotten really curious about this, like a lot of people who have been divorced, a lot of them say, like, I'll never do marriage again. And I find that like, yeah, Tammy, Tammy sitting, sitting right next to me. Hand. I've been divorced. I'm married again. Okay. Yeah. So some, yeah. some people, it does it again. Yeah. But I was, I was, it was really but interesting that a lot of people who have been divorced are like never again, like that there's this, and maybe Tammy, you can speak to it, like almost this like fantasy that goes along with marriage for some people or not. Um, and then it's like that, that fantasy is like killed because you did think this was your person forever and then it didn't end up working out. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's interesting. Can I ask you a a question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Did you guys? I, Go ahead. I just. I want to ask yeah. you a question. Um, 
and not in no way presuming that like I, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Right. I'm not asking because I, I think I know the answer. I just, just the way you talked about it made me realize something. And I feel like women do this too. Like, um, first of all, we're so ready to martyr ourselves even in the smallest ways as a way of as a form of strength I think like I feel like you know for all the talk about women and all their feelings the truth is and women oh they can't handle their feelings and women have big feelings and I feel like the word woman and feelings have been like inextricably linked but the truth is I think that we're so unbelievably strong because the women that I know manage their feelings better Mm -hmm. than most of the men that I know they process things they think about them they recover they heal in a different way right and and when you were talking about it one of the things i realized is first of all you have this dream right like you're sitting here you're welling up this yeah. like dream to get married and you're you're putting it aside in a way that you're working through that just as much and if not more so because you aren't getting married then he is working through his thing, right? Like you're not like you're doing the work to meet him where he's at. That's and my question yeah. is twofold. My question is like just keep maybe just just keep checking in with yourself and making sure that you're doing the work because you want what he wants and you want to meet him where he is and yeah. you want to do that work and not by default because as a woman there's some sort of undercurrent for the last eight billion years that tells us subconsciously that that's our job to meet men where they are. Yeah. The The second thing that I want to say is we have a tendency, I think, to give something more validation and more weight if it comes from a negative place than a positive place. So I had an experience that was damaging for me. I'm afraid. I don't want to do this thing. And that that creates a need. In this case, the need not to get married. That, because it comes from a negative place and fear, somehow gets more weight on the scale than I have this really beautiful, positive idea of what I want. And that created a need. Yeah. And by default, we give more weight to the needs that come from negative experience yeah. than we do to the needs that come from positive experience. And I just wonder if that isn't something that we need to work on. Yeah. So you have some... <sighs> Mic drop. Yeah. Mind <laughs> so We have to- a therapist. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so just, I totally thank you so much for putting that into the conversation. And for me personally... I really did take a step back from my own relationship and I got, I had conversations and I call it like coaching Mm -hmm. therapy from many different people. And I really had to look into myself and see what would and wouldn't work for me Mm -hmm. in the long run and like what I really was committed to. And I also had to look at like my attachment to marriage. Like why was I attached to marriage for me personally? It was actually from a fear-based place. Like I wanted a confirmation that somebody was never going to leave me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I wanted that security. And so I had to work through that and realize, like, even with marriage, there's no security. And so for me personally, I did – so I come from – I did – I would say I chose this, Hmm. like, from from nothing. I was like, okay. I looked at all of the different angles of it and said, yes, I'm going to do this. Um, And my personal belief system is, is, like, you can listen for a future. I'm actually listening for, like, legal marriage. It might not be in the order that's traditional, but I am actually, like, holding space for, like, my dream still. And I'm not, like, attached to it. I'm going to be okay either way, and I'm always going to stand for it. And I got emotional because I'm moved by 
I'm moved by this conversation, mm-hmm. and and I really got in touch with the other women that might be in a similar situation to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I really think that, you know, speaking of radiant relationships, which we are today, like having that conversation and like getting the coaching that you needed yeah. to really get there is what makes your relationship thrive. Yeah, I'm like, the, I'm definitely the happiest I've ever been when I was able to still stand for what I wanted, but not be attached to it. Mm-hmm. And and really see why I was so attached to this legal thing. I'm like, well, it is just a piece of paper. And Okay, well, I want a man to take care of me financially. Nope, that's not true. I'm really committed to, like, being a boss bitch and having my own money. So, okay, that part doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. You know what I mean? Like, when I really, like, broke it down, I was able to, like, be with either outcome. And I'm still totally standing for, like, that that paperwork one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of paperwork, I have a funny (laughs) wedding story that I just got to share right now. (laughs) So, um... I love paperwork. Uh, on the day of our wedding, uh, we, you know, we were we'd gone to Temecula. We spent a weekend there. Uh, we got an awesome estate house for our whole wedding party. It was like twenty two people in this house. Uh, and on the day of our wedding, we went to the um, uh, the location of our re- our reception, and. Um, I was still getting my makeup done at the house and one of the groom, the best man's wife comes in the bathroom. And she's like, Madison, um, I just want to let you know I'm not going to be able to come with you ladies to um, in the party bus to the wedding. I need to go run an errand. I'm like, is everything okay? You know, like the wedding sense. I'm like, what What happened? Did, did Austin forget his suit? Well, who forgot their suit? She's like, no, honey, don't worry. I just have to go pick something up for the, for the, for the guys. I'll be right back. Yeah, she gets to our wedding set reception as like I'm walking down the aisle, like literally as I'm walking down the aisle. I found out the next day, Austin's, Austin told me, uh, you want to know what happened yesterday? I was like, yeah, what? He's like, I left the paperwork at home. We lived two hours away. Oh my God. So on the day of our wedding, he's in the groom suite with all the guys and he calls our roommate who's at home, who's this like older gentleman, businessman, you know, he's adorable, he's a Colombian guy. And he's like, Carlos, are you home? He's like, I am actually. Normally I'd be at work, but me and my daughter are here. He's like, oh my God, Carlos, I need you to find the papers in my <laughs> office. So he he's on FaceTime with him and they find the paper and he's like, where do you want me to meet you? He, him and the, the best man's wife meet halfway, like between uh, LA and Temecula. And he tells- so glad you didn't know? I, yeah, she's a good woman. I mean, she's a really good woman. And so she and she was like drove back in like crazy traffic because apparently there was an accident. So she barely made it to the wedding, but she brought the paperwork. And the exciting thing was is that um, our roommate said, "This is this is karma because I did the same thing on my wedding and I had to have oh a friend God. drive the paper or, or it was a suit or something, but he forgot something and he had to drive it up too." So it was, it was fun. It was Thank fun God time. Thank God you're not superstitious. You're like, it's a sign. <laughs> I mean, what, what happens if you don't have the paperwork? You can't get married? What happens? For it to be official, like you have to have the, like what Lindsay's pointing to, like the, the whole like uh, traditional m- m- wedding is like on the day of you have your officiant, the person that's marrying you and, and you and your now husband technically after the ceremony, like sign paperwork and you have a witness like Katie and Ethan were like our witnesses. Yeah. They signed our documents. Um, so you do it like you on the file it afterwards yeah. or like 30 days to file it at the <laughs> yeah. clerk's office. It's so official. It's, it's like a tax return. It's like going yeah. to the DMV. It is. You know, it's I, really so not romantic. glamorous. It's not romantic at I all. Think, I think marriage and traditional relationships are absolutely beautiful. 
I, I don't want to be misunderstood at all. And I wouldn't have been in one for 20, 20 some odd years, 24 years if I didn't think so. Uh, so, you know, when I say I'm, I, I really don't expect to ever get married again. I don't. And I think once you've done something for a significant amount of time and you see how wonderful it is, life's an adventure. I want to try other things. Maybe, maybe I don't want the traditional paperwork relationship, but maybe I'd like another long-term relationship. I mean, there's so many people nowadays that are showing that even if you don't write your name on the dotted line, that they can have a lifetime of love and romance. And that's so great without all the stipulations of what the government says. And I read one time in this foreign country, I can't recall which one, where the president or somebody uh, high up in that country wanted to put a law out that marriages now would be five years. And at the end of the five years, you can decide to re re uh, Re, you know, sign on the dotted line again for another five years. But what happened is, it, you know, it was kind of a religious country. So based on that, it didn't go through. But a lot of people wanted that so that there there wouldn't be a lot of financial ramifications. You know, you can really work it out every five years. And, you know, it is a contract. It's a legal monetary contract in some ways. And, you know, we look over those contracts in that with that view. But when we get romance involved, yeah. all of a sudden the contract means nothing. It's all about love. Let's do it. I saw this greeting card once. I think I bought it. I think I have it at home. That says, uh, marriage, betting someone half your stuff, you'll love them forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I have a mixed view about this whole thing. Because, like, my parents got married at the courthouse my sister got married at the courthouse. My brother, I think they did a they they also did a courthouse marriage, but they did like a, a Baha'i ceremony because they practice, um, or at least his his wife uh, practiced that religion growing up. And um, yeah, I've I haven't really like put a whole lot of like weight on having like a big ceremony, but I'd love to have something super off the cuff, something super wacky and like, and just do it. And um, maybe or maybe not paperwork would be involved, but it would definitely be a, a strong commitment that would act like a pay, like a piece of paper. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I had gone to uh, Reverend J.J. Russell in downtown. He was an old, old guy, and it was a terrible old building. And I let my husband-to-be plan it all out, which was the first mistake. And I couldn't believe we're there. My husband was Jewish, and I'm Buddhist, and we've got this reverend. I'm like, what? how did you pick this guy? So that was really weird to begin with, and that's how we started our marriage. And about six months after I was married, my mother begged me as the only daughter, please let me throw you a wedding. So basically, I let her throw me a big old wedding, and she paid for it, so it was all good. But it was basically her wedding. She picked out everything. Oh but looking back now, I'm so glad I did it, just to celebrate with all your family and friends and that loving moment. And my mother sang at the wedding, and it was just, it was all beautiful. So That's I'm glad nice. I did it. My, my, no one paid for our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Really? We paid for our entire wedding. I didn't know that. My you. my dad gave me an option. He, we could have the money or I could have a wedding. And I have to tell you, that was kind of a hard decision because we could have like used the money at the time. And I'm really glad that I did do a wedding. Um, and with Ethan and my relationship, like we lived apart for six and a half years and we saw each other every two weeks. And um, so that was very like a non-conformity like relationship, right? But like... Everything else we love is so traditional, like him opening the door for me and like 
just the um, kind of old-fashioned ways, and we laugh about that, that that's uh, as untraditional as we've been in the past. Like now, the traditions are really important to us. Yeah, you guys are getting pretty traditional. And we're and now, <laughs> now we live together. You guys are for, domestic like, as fuck. Years. She just made a space for a bassinet in one of her I did. I, I like saying. pussified my office, and I was like, oh, there's room for a baby in here. I love that. And that is cool. I okay, love, my dad. I just your phrasing of that, I love. <laughs> oh, there's room for a baby. <laughs> it's like, oh no. Except the first like, time she said it was like this. It was like, there's room for a baby now. <laughs> oh my god, amazing. Also, fact check. I the delivery worked, but the facts are, my dad did make an offer. He said, "All right, I'll give you 10k, but you have to invest it." Nice. Oh, that was good. Well, yeah. spending 10K on a so, wedding is investing it. Well, he didn't see it like that. He wanted to see He wanted to. That is true. Actually, technically very true. But he wanted to see it go yeah. into something. So we didn't put it toward the. So his gift. And that was his gift, right? right? So he gave us a generous donation of 10 grand. And we've like. And now we bought Facebook stock. Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> and we bought some stock. Or Bitcoin. We've made some money on it, you yeah. know? Wait, I have a question before we move on to this. Because because of the way you said, you had a look in your eye when you said, like, and he opens doors for me. Mm -hmm. So I just um, want to take a little quick survey here. Because for me, number one aphrodisiac, manners. Yes. 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 Toilet seat down. Turns me on. Because it says, says, I thought of you. I remembered you. I put you first, mm-hmm. right? I put the toilet seat down, not because you told me to, but because you're coming in here next. Yes. Like, I'm aware of you, mm-hmm. right? Well, and as I open the door, Matt, nothing's Matt worse sitting. than falling in the toilet seat in the middle of the night and you can't say anything <laughs> really, like, inside the toilet. Yes. Yes, it has happened to me. Oh, it's awful. When you have roommates that are male, and even when you post signage and you have conversations... Yeah, Matt. Matt pee sitting down, so it's not a problem. <laughs> oh, oh Matt, nice. Matt's gonna love that. <laughs> Thanks. There's no Matt my, sitting down. My hubby does thing. both. He currently does both, and I'll tell you what. If for anybody, if like for the kids situation, oh, so like you yeah. no longer get to pee alone. You know, like you just can't go to the bathroom alone when you have kids. It's awful. Um, and I love our son. But he's obsessed with following us into the bathroom and watching us pee, and we're trying to potty train him. My husband especially, you know, because my son, you know, has the same parts as him, has to participate in that process. So my son will either um, come into the bathroom and he'll say, like, pee, 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 and point to the toilet, and that lets us know that he wants my husband to pee standing up so he can watch because he's learning what to do. And then sometimes he goes, up, up up and that means my husband want, has to hold him so my husband will pee sitting down holding him on his lap while he pees and you can watch him that way yeah my two year old son now dictates how my husband pees that's, oh that's my power that is I, have, I have a funny pee story so my my <laughs> my niece when she was like maybe one right so my so my brother-in-law's a, a navy seal right like and he's got three daughters so he's again doesn't pee alone. He closes the door. They're barging in. Oh, daddy's penis. So <laughs> they, she, he's trying to pee and have a moment of peace. And my niece walks in. She's like one. And she's like, oh, penis. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then the next day, my sister goes to pick her up from school. And the teacher is like dying laughing. She goes, I, I have to tell you something that Eleanor said. And she goes, okay, what, what did she say? And she goes, she was talking, we were talking about bathrooms and 
how boys have to pee in one bathroom and girls have to pee in another. And she goes, oh, yeah, my daddy, my daddy pees in the boys' room. My daddy has a big penis. I don't know. To a one-year-old, I think any penis, like to adult penis, is big. Yeah, it's like yeah. huge. I mean, I've never seen it. I don't know, but it's a pretty funny story. <laughs> And when that Navy SEAL heard that story, he just stood way up with pride. He was like, yeah, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. my daughter. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know, yeah. Um, so we've talked about a lot of like the magic criteria for radiant relationships like and the difference between conformity and nonconformity. Like, is there anything else that you look for in a relationship that makes you feel radiant or like really turns you on? For me, like I love a man that's really put together just really takes amazing care of himself and his hygiene um, and makes space to meditate and makes time like not a workaholic, but someone who's like works hard. Um, And that really for me is one of the most important things. Uh, You know, I I, I hate to say this, but I mean, it was like a, a, a nice car. That's hot. Like, and, and just, just cause they, they like care about their, um, they're proud of themselves, right? And they, like, are able to indulge in that way. It doesn't have to be, like, a Maserati. It, fuck, it doesn't even have to be a Mercedes. But just, like, it, you know, just a car that he likes, that he likes to take you out in. Um, you know, and, and definitely someone who enjoys dating and enjoys, like, you know, playing together. Um, it For a while in my marriage, it, we've only been married since August, but, like, kind of in the beginning, we just started, like, Netflix and chilling four nights a week just fine but then it was like in a, invading into like intimate time or like maybe going out to eat and then I was getting resentful because I'm like cooking dinner every single night and cleaning and I was like listen we can Netflix and chill but it has to be like one night a week you know just that balance and he was totally adaptable adaptability is also really important like a man who's like not too stubborn stubborn uh, when he needs to be but flexible and like willing to um, maneuver What's most radiant for me at this point in my life since I've, you know, been with, uh, had a husband for many years and have dated, you know, pretty extensively the last four or five years. Right now in my life, being over 50 and not needing to actually um, have a man take care of me financially or I'm not looking for the house and the picket fence. I'm not looking to have kids. There's a lot of things that I don't actually need from a partner right now. But what I find that I really need to create a super radiant relationship for me is humor. I need it to be fun, that the connection is a lot of laughter. And I think the second criteria really is uh, chemistry. I have to be completely sexually attracted to you. So if you can make me laugh and make me come, you're in. (laughs) I'm telling you, my dad and you would be the perfect fit. Oh, my gosh. You Match need to stop making there. Tamiko. Have, wow. You need to stop trying to have Tamiko have sex with your dad. It's weird, sugar. It's that weird. would be another episode. That or just encourage them to get it over with. No, you guys no, should definitely Tamiko do it. And want to. Or we should no. have him on the show. She didn't say that. She doesn't even know the man. I've never met him. <laughs> I mean, he's just a good-looking man. He's a good-looking man. He's funny. He's funny. He could probably make you come. I usually date about 10 to 15 years younger, but I could try it out. Oh. Yeah, Tamiko does like the younger men. Just yeah, not, just man. not as young as like your daughters. Right. There's like the cutoff there. No, she said no one under forty now. 
So she's got, oh. they have to be 40 and over, but she keeps getting, what about this 38? He's 38. I'm like, he's not 40. <laughs> he's not 40. He's not 40. Wait, 40 is the oldest you'll go. No, no, that's my, my oh, that's the that's criteria. That's the new, yeah. yeah that's well, what new. if he's like 39 with the six pack and like. Oh, that's done. <laughs> done. That's dangerous. What I've, what I've really, um, recently noticed what really makes our, my relationship radiant is I was actually injured for a year and a half recently. So I'm now like back together and like my Ethan took such good care of me. And now it's really now that I'm back on my feet and back into my life, like I find little things where he comes and still takes care of me in a way where that just wasn't in our relationship before. And I'm a nurse. So like I take care of everyone. So that whole breakdown was really allowing other people to take care of me for the first time. And I was, um, I've been really stressed and my anxiety has been like, I've been really having a difficult time managing my anxiety. So um, I was taking a bath and I wanted to watch Handmaid's Tale and there were all these things. I had all these phone calls still coming in and Ethan like heard me like say that like just like off the cuff and um, he ran me a bath with Epsom salts. He made sure I got in. He took my phone away from me. And, um, and then I was in there and it was so nice. And then he came in and he handed me the remotes so that I could watch TV in the tub. (laughs) So I could watch Handmaid's Tale. And I just, um, it just makes me feel so taken care of Mm -hmm. in a way that, um, I was never able to really receive before. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's, that's what has made our relationship so radiant. Cause as much as I took care of him for so many years, now he, he gets to like do it for me. So it makes him feel really good too. And I just want to like actually acknowledge you, Katie, because that that is actually something that you were like a stand for, and you I I don't know if like trained is the right word, but like I've known Ethan since he was eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> and like like you like you created your your radiant relationship with him. Like the fact that that stuff is happening is because of like who you've been for him for so long. Yeah, because it was pretty messy. Yeah, <laughs> like two years ago. But, you know, communication and work and, like, I don't know, trusting all the breakdowns that happen. Like, with my – for instance, my health. Like, it, there was so many silver linings that I really got, like, the marriage that I always wanted. Just not in the way that <laughs> I knew I'd be going through to get it, you know? Yeah. 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 It does take a tremendous amount of work. You know, when I tell people that I was married for 24 years and now I'm divorced, you know, they usually say, oh, I'm sorry. That's what they say. Oh, I'm sorry. And I can tell they're looking at it like I've failed. And I tell everybody, shit, if I had a business for 24 years and produced some good shit out of it, I would never say that business failed. So I really don't hold, look at my marriage and hold on to any thought about failure. We, we did the same work that you're talking about, Katie, that made lots of years of radiance. But life is impermanence doesn't always go the way you think it is and never thought I would get divorced. I mean, I was a virgin when I met him. I had no idea about any other men or ideas throughout my whole marriage. Never thought about cheating. This is my life. This is the man I love. I'm going to stay with him. But things change, you know, and sometimes you can't work through it. And when do you discover when it's not radiant and when to move on? Mm-hmm. That's another question. That's you a know. great question. Yeah. Question. Um, yeah, no, I'll jump in because I, I I got married very young and got divorced, um, and I'm uh, and this is my second marriage, and I feel like I do have a really beautiful, healthy marriage and a radiant relationship. And I um, and obviously my first marriage wasn't 
uh, couldn't have been healthy or I would not have gotten divorced. Um, but we were best friends and he's a wonderful man and I don't have a sob story. I just have a story about how it didn't work and we were probably too young. Um, some people are not too young. You were 19, you said, you know, um, I was 18 when we met. Um, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But I think that, um, for me, the thing was about, uh, personal responsibility, which is a huge one for me, which I think answers your question for me and also the question about the radiant relationships, mm-hmm. um, which is if you haven't done the work of what role have I played in this? In what way did I participate in this? In what way did I instigate this? In what way have I been enabling this? Right? There are lots of different ways to take personal responsibility. And I think if you call it quits before you check those boxes, you're probably getting out prematurely because there's so much healing that can happen from a person internally going, do you know what? I participated in this. This isn't just your fault. This is of my making. Even a terrible situation where someone betrays you in a way or acts out in a way that's really negative. And disclaimer, I am not talking about abuse here. So let's just leave that aside. Um, But relationships where people take advantage in certain ways. There are relationships where, you know, that behavior happens slowly over time. It doesn't manifest overnight. It happens as a product of two people behaving in a certain way. So I think if you can take responsibility for your role in it and then after that process, If both people have done that and after that process you go, you know what, there's still no way home, then I think you've maybe checked all the boxes. And this is just me speaking from my experience. Um, I actually had the same experience. That was when my relationship turned around when um, I took responsibility for where I was responsible for our relationship and the state that it was in. Like you felt like you had helped create the dynamic? I was placing blame on Mm -hmm. Ethan for everything. Like he was in Nashville. Like we got married. Like I didn't know lots of things about him that I figured out after we got married. And, and, and then, but I wasn't taking any responsibility. Because well, blame is the exactly opposite. Of because I was just putting it all on my partner. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was perfect over here in my, in my eyes until someone had a conversation with me about like, where am I responsible? And I was like, I am not responsible for any of this. Like, I'm doing this, this, and this. Like, really adamant about being right about that. And um, I'll never forget the conversation where I just took responsibility for everything that I was experiencing. And then he took responsibility for everything. And it just opened up this space in our relationship where we could, where we were on each other's team and that there wasn't really anything wrong. There was just a lot of conversations to have. And, um, and that was really the turning point in my marriage. I mean, I'd been married for a year and a half at that point and we still weren't living together. And, um, and that was the beginning so I think, I mean, I, that's been my experience as well is like looking yeah. at where you're personally responsible and where can that make a shift. And and then you have those conversations. Then if you choose like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't working for either of us anymore, you know, and then it's like, a, yeah. and then you split, you know, or you decide to stay together, but it's a powerful choice. Well, yeah, because that moment is, that's the trust you can build a life on. 
Right. Right. Like being able to trust your partner. I want to know, I want to have that moment with my partner because I want to know that I'm in a relationship with someone that when I say, and this is any relationship, I, 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 my friendships that are healthy, um, which I think I'm, I'm so happy to say most of them are, if not all of them, um, my friendships function in the same way. Just I want to know that I'm in a relationship with someone where when I say, this one's on me, here's where I went wrong, that I'm in a relationship with someone who isn't going to go, yeah, you did. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you better be sorry. And you know what else you should be sorry for? Oh, I'm so glad you opened that door because I have to add to the list of the things that you need to be apologizing for. I want to know that I'm in a – even if it's subtle, even if a person just goes, thank you so much for apologizing. I agree it was your fault. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a big scene. Right. I want to know I'm in a relationship with somebody who when I say this is the role I played, I'm so sorry this one's on me, goes, you know what? I can't leave you alone out there. I refuse to leave you alone out there on that, on that ledge. We are in this together. Here's, here's the role I played or, or wow, you know what? I'm sure that there are things that I did wrong too. I don't know what they are. Let me go think about them and come back and we'll talk about it. That should be the litmus test. And then once you know you have that, yeah, like you and Ethan, totally. now you know you can talk about anything. anything. You can admit anything. You can. And there was so much to clean up in that place, right? right? Like, because we hadn't been doing that. Like, it wasn't just like that one conversation and bam, it's done. It was like that just opened up the can of worms for many conversations for us to have so that we could get to like nothing to create our relationship the way that we're committed to and really discover that as we go. And um, I don't know. It's just the – and I, I, you know, I didn't want to give up my power and being like responsible for anything like that. I remember that's how I felt. Like I was very adamant that I was right. And, and I wasn't, it was only making me so unhappy. I'm not sure at the end of my marriage, I wanted to get out about three or four years before I finally did. I wanted to wait for my uh, kids to go off to college. But when I really think back now, it wasn't that something was wrong it was that I was discovering something about myself at that time. And I knew, looking back now, I didn't know why I had lost love for this relationship we created. Not so much him, you know. Of course, I still love him. Maybe not in a man, woman, or romantic way, but I definitely still care deeply for him. And we didn't have anything bad happen. But looking back, my life was ready to have this experience of self-reliance and building something inside myself that I couldn't as a partner, mm. that I needed to do it alone for some reason. And I really didn't understand that till after I was divorced, maybe a year or two. And I, I don't think it was about blame or taking responsibility. Of course, I take responsibility for where I was at in my life and ready to expand in a different direction than he was. I do take res- I take full responsibility for causing other people pain, too, and trying my best to make that as an easy process as possible. But I'm really happy that I listened to myself. Five years, now it's five years past. It's the best thing I did for my own journey. Yeah, it sounds like you life. made the powerful yeah. choice. Like you did all the, you looked at everything and you made the powerful choice, you know? Yeah. Can I add a statistic? Sorry, yeah. you were yeah. going to talk. I just want to, because we were, you did statistics at the beginning and I just remembered something and you were talking about, um, Tamako, you were just talking about like needing to go off and like build something and self-reliance and this. Um, do you know that if you, um, in the statistics of marriage ending in divorce, because the divorce rate is so high, if when the marriage happens, the woman is over 30 and has a college education, the divorce rate in that category of 
couples is only 30%. Oh, that makes sense. Comes down by half. What happens if you're under 30 with a college education? Because <laughs> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Still a crapshoot. Uh, well, but it's true. I mean, but from 60 yeah. to 30, that's quite a drop. I, right? I mean, yeah. I can tell you from 20 to 25, I was a different human being. And then from 25 to 30, definitely. It was like huge. I'm not saying your marriage is totally fucked. <laughs> but but it I think you do it is when you get married so young you're still you're still developing so much it's got to be one of those things where you're growing together. And I think if any two people have the the ability to do that it's definitely you and Austin. And I also think it makes a difference that he's he's older than you. So yeah. he's gone through all these stages of his life where he's and he's still obviously going to be growing. But how I mean how much older is he than you? 15 and a half years. Yeah. So that's like a pretty good gap, you know? And he gives you the freedom to grow. This is so funny. I'm all of a sudden, I'm like the biz- I graduated with my degree in business in May and then I got married in August. And I'm, now I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, maybe I should write up a contract that states for all the support that I've done, <laughs> supporting them in their branding. Maybe just it would be good to have in contract while we're friends, while we're married. So I get this percentage of oh XYZ. People do that. Yeah. No, seriously, because yeah. the work I've put in is probably, I could charge like probably a hundred grand. You mean the work for, that you've put in, in him growing his business. Yeah. yeah. As, well, as yeah. like, as that empowerment role and the conversations, the hours of conversations throughout this entire journey in his startup to like the literally the hands on deck, like, I mean, I just made them a, like a pitch deck for their investors. Um, that is... To, to raise, you know, they're raising $3 million, yeah. long-term funding. And the kind of deck and the time that I put into it, it's not so much the time it took because it, it did take like 15-plus hours, but it's more the education I had to get to be able to even whip that up in that period of time. I, I was thinking, I'm like, wow, if I actually did this as a service and I worked with businesses, business consultants, working with startups, helping them put together the, the, the decks that are going to get them money because there are statistics that show – Basically, 90% of startups that – it's something really high like that. This percentage of startups that do, don't get money is because their deck wasn't investor-friendly. So there's a whole science behind it. My senior capstone course was in making a pitch deck. So it really is like you got to know what you're doing. You have to know the question, what to look for. Um, and I was thinking if I provided that as a service to other startups, like what would I call, what would I charge? Yeah. I mean, no, I think you make a really you make a really good point, right? Like when you're in a partnership, there's an expectation of um, just what you're going to do for each other, and sometimes there's more weight in like it's perfect that you're talking about like a business situation, right? Like I think sometimes there's not as much. Um, value put on the things that like a woman does versus man like monetarily speaking right like the woman is expected to like like in the traditional sense like keep the house clean like take care of the kids all this stuff and so I think it's it's that was definitely especially the way it was in the 50s right like that was like the expectation and now it's like women are boss bitches (laughs) you know what I mean like boss babes and also um also taking on sorry you totally distracted me (laughs) Okay, I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> no, it's okay. But going going back to the question you you had originally asked, Katie was like, "What ma- what does your partner do that makes you feel radiant?" Um, for me, it's also when they see my greatness and they like hold me to it, even when I don't feel like a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And like standing for a future for me bigger than I thought was possible. Like, no, you can do this. 
and like, yeah. What, what Sugar said, though, is a really important thing that I, I'd like to bring up. And that's what I tell my daughters is that even when you get married, have your own checking account and take care of yourself long term. It's really, really crucial and important. And there's a statistics out, out there about health care. And when you look at the divorce rate, what happens typically is now all of a sudden you have a lot of women after divorce that don't have health care because they're not under their husband anymore. It's a real issue. It's a real problem. So in terms of money, it's not, it's not about saying, here's mine, here's yours, but it's also about taking care of yourself in case something happens maybe to your husband too. Yeah. You know, I would, I would add to that also just talk about money before you get married. Or before you move in together or before you get even too serious into a relationship in terms of like we're going to make the choice to try to build a life together, right? Like along with the let's build a life together conversation should be a financial conversation because look, life's hard. It's complicated. It's messy. You're going to talk about things that are worse than money, but you're going to talk about a lot of things that are harder to talk about than money where you've had other conversations with friends before or you have social modeling or you have ways in which to talk about that. We don't really talk well about money in society and we certainly don't talk well about money in gender roles. I make more money than my husband, um, which I'm comfortable saying because our friends and family know and I'm assuming based on the fact that I'm an actress, people just are going to make that assumption. So I'm okay validating that assumption. Um, My husband makes a good living and we could definitely live on his money if I stopped working. But I make more money than him. And that required a conversation. It required a conversation about how are we going to frame our finances? What's it going to look like when it comes time to buy a house and I can afford a more expensive house than you can? What do we do? Do we meet do, – do I – do we do we do like percentages? Do we do 50-50 and we do what we can afford in the 50-50 scenario? Do we do more because we're doing percentages? Do we – do I pay for it? And now you live in a house that I'm paying for. Do like what you know? Do you pay for it because you're the man, and I live in the house you pay for? What kind of a man are you? How com- like where is your comfort level? And those were those conversations were so awkward. They really were because we're not good at talking about it. We're not used to it. And so I would just say like to people in relationships, especially if you're still at the beginning, like just to just to practice having those conversations, even if it's a question of like, you know, I'm dating someone and who's going to pick up the check? Little things like, hey, we've been on five dates already and I love that you've picked up the check every time and I know there's a thing because you're the man, but I just want you to know like this doesn't have to be our whole relationship or this doesn't have to be our future. I've hit the threshold where, you know, I'm comfortable paying or whatever or saying to a man, you know, I know it's only the second date and you think we should go double dutch, but I actually think that I would love it if you would take me out the first two or three times. That would just feel yeah. good to me. Mm-hmm. Like little things. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. It's it's actually really that poignant that you say that because I used to – if a guy would ask me on a date, I felt like it was proper to offer to go dutch until my mom was like, what are you doing? Like for the first couple of dates, like you got to let a guy wine and dine you. If they're if they're int- if they're the one asking you on a date now, I guess if the woman's asking the man out, it could be different, right? Yeah. But speaking of traditionally, my mom's very traditional, and and she and so I stopped asking because some guys would say yes, and then I would be upset about it because yeah. I had like this expectation they should pay for at least the first date if they're taking you out. Do you know where that expectation <laughs> comes from, though? No. It's actually not a gender bending thing. It, uh, like a uh, you know male female who's going to play what role? It's actually um, traditionally, and I don't know where it comes from, and I'm not going to pretend to, but. 
societally wise, there was a rule when you were courting someone as the man you paid. And the way that you knew that a man wasn't courting you was you would, he wouldn't pay for you. Like my stepfather, who's 60 something, said to me that he still functions in those traditional roles. He's like, if I go out, my my parents are divorced. I still call my stepdad. It's a long story. Uh, But he's like, if I go out with a woman, the way that I let her know that I'm romantically interested in her and that it's a date is I pay the check. And the way that I let her know that we're simply going to stay colleagues or this is just a friend thing and we're just enjoying each other's company is I don't offer to pick up her end of the check. Wow, that must get awkward. I let her put her card down. Yeah, well, but he's he's a grown up, so I I feel like the way he asks, the women probably already know. You know, like I feel like it's built in, but there is a traditional thing there that that is traditionally how a person courting you lets you know they are romantically interested. Oh, they yes. invite you and they pay. Oh my so, gosh! It's so not so an unreasonable expe- expectation. I'm totally untraditional, and your mom would be so mad at me. I think the 20, 2018 dating scene right now with the swiping that when you meet up some with somebody for a drink or coffee, typically what I do is I pay. So that there's no expectation. Of course, I ask them if they're comfortable with it. When you say expectation, do you mean that if they pay, that they, they think they get to have sex with you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm making it very clear that I don't owe you a goddamn thing. I'll pay for the drink. And, and sometimes they say no. Sometimes they say, you know, I'll, I'll, you know let's do half. And I all, and when they do let me, I, I say, are you, are, are you okay with that? Is that? Are you comfortable? And they're like, yeah, because I don't want to emasculate them either. There's that fine balance. But I also want them to know that I don't need you for money. I'm not here. Because one time a guy took me out for a drink. I had one drink. He texted me back all mad that we didn't have sex and that I was using him for a drink. I was so furious. I was like, well, that shit ain't never happened again. He was an asshole before the drink. Right, right. of course, of course, of course. He was, but but I I still wanted to kind of make a stand that every time I went out for a drink, because I'm enjoying the drink and I'm enjoying your company, why can't I pay for you? I'll just pay for you. I don't have a hesitation with that. I just don't want to emasculate the man. Right. Jade, what does that look like on your, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I wanted to, I'm just, I'm staring at you and you were saying like, and I just want to know what it's like in your dating scene in, in terms of that, like, do you pay when you go out? Do you let guys pay? No, I don't pay. They pay for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's such a you, queen. You ask me out, you go and pay for the drink, the meal, the coffee, whatever it is. The time um, it took you to get ready to go meet them. Right? Like, well, I mean, I guess when it comes to, I, I don't know, my thoughts of what I'm there to offer are my my presence, my conversation, my you know, um, myself and, you know, they get to experience that. And, you know, if they want to date me, they pay for the meal. I'm willing to pay for the meal after the first few dates. So that's, you know, but I, I don't, I don't go into a a date expecting that I'm going to pay, but I do bring my own money in case that, you know, it goes down in this traditional. You're a truly modern Millie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I let them in on a second day, then certainly I'm getting a nice meal or a show or something, you know, at that point. So like what I'm hearing a lot of is how we're, how we are responsible for being the source of our own radiance and being in communication about it. So do you ever find yourself making your partner the source of your radiance or physical pleasure or happiness? Um, I know that I was doing that before I took responsibility for how I was being and it didn't work. Um, 
Does anyone else want to speak to that? Yeah, I would say that I have done that in past relationships and that's why they didn't work. And so the last time I I was, basically my pattern was relationship, single for a few months, relationship. And I never took time to actually be single and be with myself. So before I got into my current relationship, I was single for almost two years. And I was really committed to like sorting through all of that because I was really clear that going into a relationship, expecting someone else to cause your radiance or your happiness was never going to work for me and never going to like be like a healthy relationship. Like I had to come totally whole, complete and perfect coming into the relationship and they're icing on the, you know, red velvet cupcake. (laughs) So something that this question reminds me of is, so yes, I have done that. Absolutely. I, I, before reading Pussy, a reclamation, um, I thought that it was his job for me to be happy, taken care of, being pleasured. And I found myself winding up being just really resentful mm-hmm. coming from that place. So this book quickly shifted gears for me. I mean, that's transformed. So it's hard for me to answer it now. But I think that naturally we do. We get so comfortable with someone. Literally, like the only reason relationships can even get messy is because. There's so much built-in comfort and trust. We sometimes take advantage of it, and we can actually break the trust, right? So I think there's a really fine line. Like, they're so fragile. Like, in the Jewish tradition, when you get married, you break a glass. And what it symbolizes is the fragility of a marriage or a relationship or a commitment. That glass can never be put back in the same way. The fragility of any relationship, friend, boss, mother, sister, um, uh, husband, wife— boyfriend, girlfriend, they're all fragile. And we have to be responsible for making sure our needs are met. We're just like, what do they need? What do they want? And then we're like raging bitches. And then they're like, you're crazy. And you're like, fuck you. Um, Or at least that's just my experience, maybe. Uh, So yeah, this book shifted that for me. But something that this question brings up is my husband, I'm younger than my husband, right? And so a lot of times they're I feel like I'm still growing up. There's a lot of pressure in my community like that I am this like mature woman. So my husband used to say to me, you to you need to be more feminine like cuz there was an issue of like I was sedu- I like want to fuck all the time. Like <laughs> all the time. I would have sex like 10 times a week if it was my way. I think that's really where it came from. And and I wasn't but I wasn't being like um uh, he was saying, you're not being feminine. Like, I'm not turned on by you. I'm like, I'm hot as fuck. What are you talking about? Like, are you kidding me? Like, like got like a fitness model body. I'm decently looking in the face. Like, you don't want to fuck me? And then, yeah, like, come on. And it was my energy was like too masculine for him. And so we would, we still would have sex like once or twice a week, but it was, it wasn't like, I didn't feel desired. Our friends like totally called him out and he realized what an asshole he had been being and like how offensive that was and how that wasn't really what what was there for him. Like he really does think I'm feminine and a wonderful woman and I'm a powerful woman. And he got that that's like a totally inappropriate statement to say and that there's it's not really that. It's actually the like the energy of like safety and love that he was wanting so where I would get the masculine energy might be too much for him. What he was really wanting was like safety and security and nurture, nurturing. Um, and I and there's a disclaimer in our relationship. Like I'm, I'm going to get intense, but it's out of love. Like I'm an Italian Jew. So it can be misunderstood. And now he's like starting to learn more about me. Like, oh, that's not offensive. She's just, she's just being herself. I think 
what you're saying is, I think it's really interesting because I think it's also one of those things that, um, and I can only speak from a woman's point of view because that's the, that's the seat I'm sitting in, right? That's, that's the seat I was given. Um, but I think that there is this thing of like every quality that someone loves about you is potentially going to have a repercussion that they think is a negative, right? So like my husband likes to joke that I, I, I said once to him, I got really self-conscious in the very beginning of our relationship. I said, I feel like I do all the talking on our dates. I feel like when we go places, I'm the one that's talking to people. I do all the talking all the time and you're quiet and it makes me self-conscious that I'm just at some point, you're just going to turn around and tell me that I'm too much for you. It's just too much. And he said, no. He said, it's the best thing ever. I hate talking. <laughs> and now he jokes that he married me so he never had to talk again. <laughs> so it's great that like I discovered that this thing that I was self-conscious about turns out to be something that he loves about me. So also good to like voice your concerns in a relationship and good to share your insecurities because you might learn something. But there have been times, because we've been together for six years now, there have been times where he'll say to me, just be like, oh, it's too much. You know? Or like, I just can we just not talk about it? Can we just not talk anymore? You know, he'll get to a place where that's frustrating. And sometimes I feel the need to remind him that that is a byproduct of the same quality that creates this other thing about me that he loves so much and that I can't compartmentalize my personality to suit him, right? So like either you want someone who's really outgoing and really likes to talk and likes to think about things and you find that really exciting to go around the world with someone who like loves to meet people and share their stories and and you think that's really fucking great, right? And it also means that sometimes you have to talk about things more than you want to, or go be with somebody who talks less and is less outgoing. Go be with – there are many women who are beautiful and wonderful and they're quiet and there's a lot of value in that. Go fall in love with one of them. They'll talk. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like, I said that to my – Right? But I, can't, but I can't be both – I can't be two kinds of women in one marriage because one moment you want one woman and in the other moment you want someone else. You have to know who you married and – and and I feel like that's part of my radiant relationship mm -hmm. thing. It's like I want to be seen – I want the benefit of the doubt all the time. I want the benefit of the doubt. Go to the place when you think about me and when I think about my husband, I try to do this. Go to the place where it's the best case scenario. Oh, this makes me crazy. Okay, but remember that – athletic quality about her for you sugar like that super athletic quality where she has so much energy and she's like one of the boys who wants to run around all the time is the same energy that makes her want to fuck me eight times a day <laughs> right so like maybe that's a good thing and i won't complain about it because i might want the athletic butch you know pardon the term you know tomboy whatever the words we're using now for that kind of woman which i also identify with you know that personality maybe if i make that go away i'll be with a woman who won't want to have sex with me as much as I want her to want to have sex with me. Like, mm -hmm. you and know, that was, I mean, that was his ex-wife actually. Well, so it's like, so cause he's been married Whatever. actually, he's been married before and, and, and that was the opposite. Right. So it's like, what I'm getting is that you, you have to know who you're getting in a relationship with and really choose like that, that there's, there's pretty much a predominant quality about this person and overall presence to that person. You're choosing that. Right. And, and for people who have been married before, like you're always going to find something, Right. You're going to find something, but you really need to know like, well, what do you want? You know, and for someone that maybe for your husband, it wasn't a deal breaker for talking, but you gave him that opportunity to really check in with himself. Like, oh, I could have a quiet lady, right? Yeah. I, 
I could. And he got to be like, that's not what I want. Yeah, though. give him an out on the mm-hmm. fifth yeah. date or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. To be like, this never stops. This is me. This doesn't go away. <laughs> you know? Is it okay to want the best of both worlds? You know, I want an alpha male who's also like, you know, able to talk about his feelings. You know what I mean? Is that asking too much of a man who's never been really taught to express himself like over over the course of his life? But I'm just saying like because we're talking about like yeah. a man who's asking for a woman to be both feminine and really want, you know, really want him in bed. But like, you can, know, is that. Can uh, I give you a potentially controversial answer you might hate? Um, and, and I'm speaking only now, only again from my seat of being, you know, cis, heterosexual, female, monogamous relationship. Um, I always thought I wanted a man who talked about his feelings. I've been in relationships with artists and guys who are super, you know, who, who can be the alpha male and also can. No woman that I know who's been in a relationship like that is happy with a man who wants to talk about his feelings for 45 minutes. You think you want that. You don't. <laughs> you only – you have a fantasy. What you want is a man who you feel as connected to as you do with your girlfriends who you have those conversations with. What you're after, I think, is a kind of intimacy and a kind of sharing. And I would suggest that modeling that on the female-female dynamic – is not necessarily a healthy way to model it. I would find your own unique male, female, or rather masculine, feminine model for that, which creates an intimacy that feels the same, which doesn't involve you as a woman listening to a man talk about his feelings for more than five minutes. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Would you mind sharing with us what keeps your relationship radiant in the bedroom with your husband? Yeah, um, I, I feel like, and I, I'm wondering, I, I, I feel based on listening to you guys that we're going to have a similar answer as much as there will be different answers. Yes. But I feel like the one common thread is I don't feel uncomfortable at all. And this is from the beginning. We set the tone in our relationship. I don't feel uncomfortable at all saying what feels good, what doesn't feel good, what I'm in the mood for, what I want. Like, I, I just, yeah, I'm I'm so... I feel like I'm just, yeah, I'm so comfortable just saying, you know, listen, I only have three minutes, but if you want to fuck me, it has to be like right now, <laughs> right? Versus like, oh, sweetheart, if you want to get with me, I am so tired. I was with all, our kid all day. I could not feel any further from being like a sexy person right now. So I just want you to know that if you really want to have sex with me, you have to be prepared to work for a little bit because I, I don't want this. <laughs> but you could convince me, but there's going to be work involved for you. You know, so like, I feel like even right from the imp- right from the get go, that we're very open with like, how, how, the, how is this going to go? And then if he's doing something I normally like, and I don't like it, I'll just be like, no, get up here. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I actually don't want you down there. Just get up here. You know, like, just skip that step. I'm not in the mood or whatever. Like, you know, and the same for him the same for him we don't want our clits going numb there's nothing more frustrating than that right and sometimes you can handle more than other times <laughs> yeah. right in in terms of like everything yep mm-hmm. nothing yeah. more frustrating when you want to come and your clit is numb though that happened to me the other day i was like dear uh, <laughs> uh. and also women yes that you know what's so important about that to all the women out there two things i would say like even if you're like you know just discovering like making out with boys for the first time although i hope you're not young enough to be listening to this <laughs> That's where you're at. But um, but right from the get-go, first of all, don't endure 
with a capital E to all the women out there. If, if a man or anyone or a woman, anyone is doing something that does not feel good for you that you're not enjoying, it is not your responsibility to endure that so that person can feel sexual prowess in themselves. That's, that's not a good dynamic. So number one, don't endure. Um, and then number two, all ladies, please, please, if you, if you are against masturbation, then I totally get it. But if you're not opposed for some moral or religious reason, I encourage you to masturbate because learning what feels good for you will help you be able to achieve orgasm with your partner because you need to know how your body works. And so then you can do that with your partner. And that's just really important. And I feel like that doesn't get said enough. And I'm going to be less PC. Even if you are against it, you should still masturbate (laughs) because it's for your health. It is really good. It is really good for your health. It's good stress release. It is. It is. It is. It, they literally, they literally used to doctors used to prescribe orgasms to women and would like do that for them for hundreds of years. Sugar, you're Jewish like me, and so you know you're that I'm a Jew. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, in the mar- in the Jewish marriage contract on a ketubah. It is one of the responsibilities that goes back like 6,000 years to when they wrote the first ketubah. One of the responsibilities in a Jewish marriage contract is for the man to pleasure his wife. I think they understood something even then that women would be happier and more fulfilled and better in all things, obligations or otherwise, if we got to have orgasms every now and then. They built it into the marriage contract. That's so cool. Did they tell how to do it? No, no. nor I think did they encourage women to train their husbands. (laughs) But that's another – you guys will have another clit talk. I won't be here, but I'm sure you'll have at it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was amazing. Amazing. We covered so much ground. Oh, thank you. I love you. For those of you listening, she really is like an incredibly insightful, amazing, honorable, like magical woman. And I'm just like so happy to have had this conversation with you and like – Thank you so much for coming and doing this episode with us. It was like really an honor. Yeah, and come back. back. Yeah, let's hang out. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I am not going to dishonor any of the hard work of the sisterhood by doing any false modesty or going, oh, stop, or saying something negative about myself, which women always feel the need to do. I'm just going to say that that went right to the heart of me, and thank you. Pussy. Pussy. This was not the way that we planned. You started kissing me, and then you just moved down down south and you started licking me. I hate it when my click goes numb. I cannot come. I hate it when my click goes numb, cause I can never come. It felt so right, then I felt nothing, and now I can come tonight. What a party trick! Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god. Did you just love this episode of Clit Talk? Well, shit, then you better head on over to iTunes and subscribe. But only if you want amazing orgasms. Also, while you're over there, please rate us and leave a review. But again, only if you're open to incredible sex and amazing relationships. And if you email us a screenshot of your review to clittalkcontest at gmail.com, you will be automatically entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We can't wait to give you some free shit.